This is the Universe, Episode 8, By Accident, In the Name of Science, on Saturday, April 28th, 2012. And now, starting at an affordable 200k. The Universe is hosted by Ryan Rampersad and Sam Eberts, with guest Matthew Petchel. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good, how are you? I'm pretty good. I know you just got done with your project. Yeah, um, I was up most of the day coding an AI for Phage Wars Plus Plus, which is a scheme derivative of this Phage Wars online flash game, um, which involves a bunch of cells on a board that grow each turn, and you try and take over the board and defeat the other player. Uh, so my my strategy was to sort of weight each cell that I don't own by how beneficial it would be, like how influential it is to the other cells on the board, so its proximity and how many cells you get per turn, and then use that to determine which cells to attack every turn, um, and also to use sort of a mass attack strategy, because it's, it's more effective to attack a single cell with lots of your own cells than it is to attack one cell with each of yours. Right, focus fire. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, when I was in the class you're in, the 1901 scheme class, our final project was Category 5, which was just a lame card game. Your project sounds a lot more interesting. Yeah, I, I'm kind of interested in sort of pursuing it a little bit further, because like I said, I only spent today on it, and really we've known about it for months. But Right, right. I mean, um, I spent like three days on mine, just, ma- you know, like a day to code it, a day to review it, make sure it worked, and then a day to add comments. And, you know, over three days, it's probably like seven hours or something. But uh, it didn't do a lot. I got 84 points on it out of 100. That was good enough for me for not doing really any work on it. Yeah. Um, And that card game, it was pretty much all just luck. And the rules didn't allow you to just deviate much from that. Yeah. But your game is more interesting because there's actual strategy. Right. And it's, it's, there's no, there's too many possible options in like a future game tree you can't explore all of them in any reasonable amount of time. Right. And there is a time limit per turn for the AIs. Mm-hmm. So if you go over, I think, two seconds, um, you Like, get, per turn. Yeah your, yeah, your AI gets two seconds to decide, which actually is a long time. Very long time. Um, mine was... I didn't have that much code, so mine was, like, point, point one, point, point 0.01 seconds, a tenth of a second, I think, mm-hmm. at the, or a hundredth of a second at the max. So obviously mine wasn't doing a whole lot of thinking, but it did pretty well. So. That's good. Because I, I, I don't, I don't even think, I didn't even submit mine to the, the class bracket thing. Oh. Uh, I didn't, I knew it wouldn't have worked that well. I'm kind of interested to see how mine will do. Yeah. Just because I didn't spend that much time, but my, my <clears throat> I actually had started a different strategy earlier, and my new one could be that one fairly consistently. So, even though it didn't do so well against random, so we'll see how it does against other, like, actual strategy AIs versus just a random one. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, that, that's a interesting thing. Are you gonna what? Um, do you know what track you're gonna pursue in your major, which is uh, now computer science, apparently. Yeah. Um, n- oh, and a minor in astrophysics. I got oh, switched. Too, so. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Um, but no, not really. I got. I told you I got this book about um, elliptic curves. That's pretty cool. Those is, are my favorite things. <laughs> which is cool. Me and me and Ryan uh, have talked about. The elliptic curve, curve. cryptography. Yeah. Pretty which, darn cool. Yeah. Don't I, know what episode. Yeah. No way. Uh, Sometime. I doubt it, though. Um, so so I'm kind of excited to read that and figure out some more about it. I've actually, I actually read a very interesting um, article in a magazine, which we may have also talked about on another episode, so. um, about some f- secret NSA facility that where they have a giant supercomputer uh, that's oh, built well, for cracking. That's where they compile all the lists them. on you. Like your FBI book, and now he looked up some FBI thing today. Oh, we have a guest here. Uh, Matt is here from <laughs> the, the Nexus. Oh, yeah, him. Yeah. We're switching the shows today um, because we figured since we have Sam here in studio that we would do Sam's show today and at the Nexus tomorrow, and that way things will be sounding better instead of worse. Want to say hi over there? Dear sir, did you have me on mute? Dear sir, I didn't think you were actually going to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well. so if I wasn't going to say anything, then there would be no reason to have me on mute. True. So, that's Matt. He's hi. our guest. 
he will Thanks be for having me on. Yeah. Voicing his opinions on everything that we talk about. Hopefully. So yeah. last last weekend uh, we had Sam here on the Nexus, and Sam mentioned how he we you know he knew about this uh, meteor shower that was uh, occurring. Uh, you want to talk about that? Yeah. So the Lyrid meteor shower was last weekend. It peaked um, Saturday morning or Saturday yeah, night, Saturday. Sunday morning mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> at like five a.m. Uh, and we were thinking about going to observe it, but there was a large storm slash rain thing over the Twin Cities, and it was cloudy over most of Minnesota, mm-hmm. so we didn't get a chance to do that, which was too bad. At 4 o'clock, I went to Newell Park by myself with a can of Dr. Pepper, and I just looked at the sky, got really rained on, got cold, and stayed cold for like two days. You stayed up for that? <gasps> well, it was just a cloudy sky, though, right? I, I was really angry, because I was sleeping, and all of a sudden, my laptop starts going... And all of a sudden, it's like, hey, hey, want 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 to go see a meteor? I'm like, <laughs> ah, crumble, crumble. And so I get up because I I can't talk in my room because I have family members nearby. And so I go out to my garage. I'm just like, crumble, crumble. And then um. Yeah, so I just um, argued with you a little bit, um, made a recording for you, which I think Ryan played for you yeah. in a few days later, and then um, you invited me to go see a tour with you of Cray Computing. Which yeah. Is, um, that, that sounds really interesting. Yeah, so uh, this summer, I guess this will be another probably Nexus Labs field trip. Um, and we'll definitely I'm talk start... about it here on the Nexus. Yeah, or, oh yeah, uh, Wait, sure. what is this show? This is, a, this is the universe. We can talk about the Nexus too, I mean, it's it's a tech and science yeah, I guess so. thing. Well, anyways, mm-hmm. so this, this actually kind of relates to that NSA thing I was talking about. I'll get back to that in a bit, though. So this is um, my mom's friend from high school, I think, um, worked at the Cray Supercomputer Company um, for a while and offered to set up a tour for me and some friends uh, to go see the the facilities downtown. So this summer, hopefully right after school is out, we will get to do that. Um, and so Cray is the company that designed, I think the first supercomputer, the first commercial supercomputer, and also their current, their current like top end model is like the Jaguar XT5, I think is the fastest. What is this a car? Mm-hmm. Okay. Fastest, uh, supercomputer in the United States that's mm-hmm. open to the public is a or that's open to, like, scientific research that we... that the public knows the specs on and everything is right. yeah. a modified Jaguar XT5. Um, I was on their site looking around, and then, um... So I look at the, um, buying a supercomputer. It's, like, starting at an affordable 200K. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, I mean, if you need a supercomputer, I mean, you either get a bunch of uh, PS3s or you get a real supercomputer. Yeah. I mean, you GPU pick. GPU cluster computer. Yeah, GPU cluster. Um... Yeah, so and so the the NSA computer that I was talking about earlier, the cryptographic cracking computer that's supposed to be able to crack the RSA one twenty eight bit. Did you ever in read? Um, did you ever read Digital Fortress by Dan Brown? I have not. I've not really read any Dan Brown books. And you're not missing out on too much. But they did have a, an NSA supercomputer, very similar to the one you're describing, that theoretically could have cracked AES or Ridgendale. Yeah, yeah, AES. That's what I meant. What did I say? RSA. That's not what I meant. Well, I mean, I probably could crack RSA too, right? If it could crack AES, and probably could... I don't know. AES is the the what the government uses. Well, for AES is the symmetric secret. AES is the standard for you know all encryption of that symmetric key. Yeah. So I don't know. And well, so I, NSA and Cray, their the NSA's computer is faster than that one I was mentioned earlier, the modified XT5. So they're, anyways. Computer, blah, 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 cray, blah, blah. So, uh, since the meteor shower was uh, rained out... Very cold. We decided to sleep instead. You did, but I was already awake. I yeah, couldn't fall back to sleep. I don't know why. But I don't know. I had nothing better to do. Okay. Well, so do you want to talk about a professor getting out of his uh, his lawsuit? I don't know. I think that's kind of ridiculous. We can mention it, I know, because it is ridiculous. That's why we have it here. So there's this professor... Who got a speeding ticket, and you know he's just driving along, and apparently this you know police officer has his little radar gun, I guess, and the radar gun reports that his speed is breaking the speed limit while he's coming to a stop, I guess, at a stop sign. 
And so... I think the ticket is just for not coming to a complete stop, not for breaking the speed limit. Okay, good, because that that makes more sense. (laughs) So the professor makes this paper called The Proof of Innocence, and essentially it says, if a car stops at a stop sign, an observer, the police officer, located at a certain distance perpendicular to the car trajectory, must have an illusion that the car does not stop if the following three conditions are satisfied. The observer measures not the linear but angular speed of the car, the car decelerates and subsequently accelerates relatively fast, and third, the year is a short-time obstruction of the observer's view of the car by an external object otherwise known as another car, when at the moment when both cars are near at the stop sign. So basically, he got out of paying his uh, ticket. Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of a throw a stack of papers in front of a judge that's like probably a couple hundred pages, and then he'll be too lazy to read it and just throw it there. It's pretty funny. Yeah, it's kind of stupid, though. To just spent his time like doing something important. Well, that's pretty cool, though. It makes students happy. Imagine you're that professor, and you, you walk into your, your classroom the next day, and it's like, hey, kids, I just got away with it. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't do Not my thing. Sure about that? Um, so, <clears throat> we have a note here about Big Deal <laughs> on the Christian Science Monitor. That's right. Um, so, I'm not sure what the Big Deal is. It's the Christian Science Monitor. That yeah, should be the big deal. I don't think that the Christian Science Monitor really has anything to do with Christianity. I think it's a relatively well-respected science Well, you know science what? I'm going to go establish the Tachyon Science Monitor. And if it has nothing to do with tachyons, what's the point? I just saw I a don't really good Star Trek that about that. <laughs> what? Relates to anything. All right. So, um, so do you know the birds of prey and how they can cloak themselves? Is that the... The, the Romulans still the Romulans, the Klingon right, ships. Right. No, the, the Klingon ships, but the Romulans got a hold of a few. Right, I know what you mean. Either way, but they set up a bunch of tachyon beams in between so they could detect the cloaked ships. That was really cool. Okay. <laughs> just say it. I just say it. Two fake things don't make any difference. Okay. Well, um, uh, so, yeah. Uh, Global Warming Mystery is the title of this article <laughs> about some Himalayan glaciers getting bigger. So... Apparently, there's a specific range in the Himalayas where uh, the glacier de- uh, glacier depth has been increasing uh, recently, um, while the rest of the glacier mass has been decreasing due to global warming. So apparently, the glaciers have gained around 0.2 meters of ice. Uh, and this is just this one range, the Karakoram range. But also, that's per year since 1999 through 2008, which is a pretty good, you know, a fairly good-sized chunk of... That's like a meter. Uh, yeah, that's a good chunk of ice. Yeah, but I mean... But this it's is, not like this in one This is one place. single... Well, this is one single um, range right. in the Himalayas where these specific glaciers, which could be due to some climate effect, but overall... It's global still glacier mass has been decreasing significantly, right. so I don't really know. Yeah, it's not like this disproves global warming. Though. No, no, I know that's the point. Okay, but it's on the Christian Science Monitor. You know what's going to happen? I don't happen. think that it has. A, I don't think that that matters. It's going to matter. Okay, trust me. People who would be influenced by this don't read the news. Anyway, want to talk about a dinosaur? Um, you can leave that in there. Nobody heard it. Uh, egg, egg laying led to dinosaurs' extinction, according to some scientists. <clears throat> Says you. I just put the link in there. I don't know. Okay, well, I did read the article. <laughs> like a good podcaster. Good. Um, so apparently, uh, some recent theories have suggested that the reason... Uh, mammals survived the global cooling after the um, large impact event uh, was, and dinosaurs didn't, is because dinosaurs laid eggs. And for uh, an egg to work, because it has to allow oxygen into the embryo, it can only, so the shell width is limited, it can only be, they can only be a certain size, like you can't get, they can't have huge eggs. Um, And so dinosaurs would a single large species of dinosaur would 
have young that would take up the food chain or not like the food size chain mm-hmm. so that there wouldn't be room for just smaller at adult age species of dinosaurs. And so then when the large ones died, there weren't any small ones to like fit in the, that were left to eat the things that small things eat. Yeah. That makes <laughs> sense. And so then there were just no dinosaurs because they were all big. And so they all all the big things died, and then the smaller mammals that were left didn't. So this teaches you a good lesson. Don't lay eggs. Yes. Don't lay eggs. Uh, this next one is about uh, some new nanotech uh, thermal uh, energy recovery device um, involving a new nanomaterial that... Uh, acts as a a, uh, heat energy to electricity converter that um, material scientists think they'll be able to wrap around like engines and pipes and things, convert excess heat, which is usually just wasted energy, back into electricity. So here's what this says here. Uh, Purdue scientists have somehow produced, with nanotechnology techniques, it says... To coat glass fibers with a new thermoelectric thermoelectric material, and it essentially, when the material is heated on one side, the other side has an electron flow generating an electric current. So, uh, you know, if uh, you have something that's wasting heat, you can just throw this around it, wrap the fibers around it, and theoretically, you could channel some of that energy back into something useful. Right, and so the system. A statistic cited in this article is that uh, 58% of the energy generated in the U.S. is wasted as heat. So if we could even get a small part of that back, it would represent a large uh, emissions savings as well as cost saving development. That sounds reasonable. But would it save as much money as a fireball? Mm-hmm. No? Yes. <laughs> Yes. Uh, apparently there was a, a fireball reported over Nevada and California, um, which produced a large bang and explosion, and people thought was like a bomb or something. Right. And really it was just a meteor evaporating in the low atmosphere, which produced sound waves and fireball. I love how they wrote this. Some person, some person told the someplace, someplace that the loud boom that occurred at 8 a.m. made her two-year-old daughter cry. Yeah. Who got, who, where did you get this? You have to understand, the way I do this is I subscribe to Google Google News, and they mix the sci and tech sections together. It's just one section. And I don't know why they do it, but they have done it. And the only way I can get news for your show in a reasonable way, and without going to io9 and their broken navigation, is to get it from Google. And Google produces three... Sciencey stories a week out of hundreds of tech stories because there is no science news except there is just apparently not on your Google News feed. Anyways, Io Nine does not exist. Yeah, it is the best. I mean, it's still kind of cool that you can just get away with launching a fireball because if there's think about it, if you, there's just a giant poof of flame in the sky and a loud bang, as long as it doesn't, there's hit nobody anything. recording anything. As long as it doesn't hit anything, nobody really cares what goes on. Yeah. I'm, Guess if it's just one in the middle of Nevada where nobody lives. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking Newell Park. Okay, somebody doesn't live there. I agree, but but if I just want people live very close by, I mean you can't. Like I know you can call the police on noise violation and stuff, but is there a light one? Like if it's too bright out in the park, does somebody let off a bunch of flares? Is that legal? Well, maybe you can interpret noise as light. I don't know. I don't think you can. Why not? I mean, no. Um. Yeah, I feel like that might get you into some trouble. I mean, you could just do it and run, but same well, as you could you know, like, shoot somebody and run. I suppose so. Speaking of bombs and light explosions... The, the, I was just going to yeah, mention know, this. You know, there's something here. What is it? Um, well, recently, some person who is uh, into infographics made an infographic <laughs> that uh, compares the strength of nuclear bombs... Uh, where it uses little squares to represent uh, one ton of TNT. Oh, just kidding. One kiloton of TNT. Um, And so the bomb dropped on 
Hiroshima was 15 kilotons, so there's 15 little red squares. The Fat Man bomb dropped on Nagasaki nearby is 21 kilotons, so there's 21 little red squares. Um, the Ivy King, which was a bomb detonated by the U.S., probably in some nuclear testing facility, was 500 kilotons, so there's now 500 little squares, which is quite a few more. Um, that would be 25 more than... 25 times stronger than the Fat Man bomb. Mm-hmm. And then there's the B-53, which is 9,000 kilotons, detonated by the U.S. And then there's the big one. And then there's Castle Bravo, which is 15,000 kilotons, also detonated by the U.S. And then there's the Tsar Bomba, which is 50,000 kilotons, the largest bomb ever detonated, detonated by Russia. And you can imagine, this is... 2,500 times stronger, more, more powerful, as far as tonnage of TNT, than the bombs dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. So where did they detonate that? Well, Just wherever over, they detonated it, it's not there anymore. Over some uh, ocean islands, I think in the Pacific. Are the islands still there? Probably. I mean, it's not like they didn't... I'm sure they didn't it in the air, so okay. it's, it's not like That's destroying the ground. ground. Um, I would have destroyed the ground. That'd be cool. <laughs> this this actually wasn't... This was the largest bomb ever detonated, but there was... So this is the 50 megaton version, and then there's also the 100 megaton version of the Tsar Bomba, which is uh, the 100 megaton version. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so quite a bit bigger, and just in general ridiculous. I, hmm. Something right up Matt's alley. Do you know where it's at? <laughs> I do, actually. <laughs> you do? Yeah. I'd like a satellite image of that. I'll uh, cue that up. Hold on. Didn't work. Oh, thank you. Oh, that's coming up real clear now. Didn't work. That I, it, Wait, that's a picture of my backyard. Is it? Yeah. Whoa. You have what in your backyard? A bomb. Where'd you get that? Well, oh my goodness! Why do you have that? See, I needed a new garage. Oh no! And it was cheaper just to get a silo really quick. I can't believe this. How'd you get away with that? Well, see, I needed a new alley, so I was allowed to do some construction. I don't think that was constructive. <laughs> okay. Anyway, let's get uh, back to the news. So. uh... Well, I just, on the on the idea of this nuclear bomb thing, there's this um, website, nuclearsecrecy.com, and there's a little app on it called the Nuke Map, where mm. you can drop nuclear bombs of different tonnages on Google Maps. And then just what the happens? Effect, it shows you the effect radius. Oh, that's kind of cool. Um, so here, let's see. We'll drop this one on New York, New York. Oops. Hey, you know what? You've just been added to another list. <laughs> I don't care. And I'm never going to be on any list. So you're on a list too. Uh, the fireball radius is three kilometers. So a th- three kilometer wide, just the fireball. Oh, just the fireball. Yeah. Oh, radiation wow. radius uh, is uh, more. Would and this is uh, um, just the amount of radiation that it takes to kill you in several hours. Uh, eight kilometers, air blast radius, which is uh, something that will kill you when it hits you because it's hot, right? The pressure, right? Okay. Um, this is a twelve and a half kilometer radius. Hmm. The thirty-three kilometer radius for the air blast is uh, a not com- not one hundred percent fatality rate, but close to. Mm-hmm. And then the thermal radiation radius is uh, seventy-seven kilometers. Which pretty much will light you on fire. And how many megatons was that? This is the hundred megaton bomb. Oh, okay, well that's that's so it, that's okay. It kind of just destroys, you know, so you a lot get, of New York and. It New just Jersey. destroys a hundred mile radius. Let's see if you can get St. Paul and Minneapolis. You think you can get them both of them in one bomb? Pretty sure you can, because they're like what ten feet apart. They yeah, they both go like we want to get the midway too. We don't want to exclude us. Well, I was gonna say they're one exactly one university apart. Well. So you drop it dead center of on that U there, and you just get both for the price of one. Yeah, it looks like the. Uh, so what's the smallest bomb I could use to destroy both cities? 
smallest. Well, I don't know. The, the well, char- I don't want to think so big. I well, mean, so the 100 megaton would get you from about, if you detonated it, like, right on the river, like, at the U. Um, <laughs> you know what? Now I'm on the list. <laughs> you would get about, your radius would go almost out to St. Cloud. Oh, great. Wow, really? Uh, so well, it's 100 miles. That's fine. Um, I need something cheaper. Like, I, I don't think I can afford a 100 megaton bomb. Okay, let's yeah. look at the 16 kiloton bomb. 16. I think I can afford one of those. Uh, you would get... Uh, well, let's see. Let's drag this. Where do you want to... You want to try and hit your house? Uh, I want to see <laughs> the, like how far... Like, I don't want to exclude myself. Cause, uh, equal judgment through all, all the lands. Okay. Um, so, and let's see. Where are we? Wow. Uh, midway area. Midway area, yep, yep. So, Snelling. Yeah, just all of it gone. So, looks like you could hit the whole midway area with uh, the Hiroshima bomb. Okay, hmm. that's fair. How much one of those run, do you know? Uh, or do I have to get a license to be a private owner? Yeah, of you, you do have to get a license. I'll, I'll try to apply for one. And, um... Good luck. I hear the application process is quite grueling. Yeah, I'm going to love going to one of those public offices, like go down to Ramsey County's office and ask them for a license for that. I wonder what they'll say to me. They're not going to say no. Arrest? No, they're not no. going to even do that. They're oh, going to say I'll, what? My, no, no, I'll bring a paper titled The Proof of Innocence. Yeah. Or you, The Proof of Applicationship or something. Yeah, do it. And then just, you know. I'll bring my lab coat. Oh, yeah. That's and a fake be. beard, like a cool little goatee thing. Like this obviously fake one. It'd be a lot creepier. Okay, so what's next? Um, next is uh, depends if you want to skip the next one or not. I do. Okay, next is Pacific Reef sharks are vanishing, which is not really a surprise. A lot of fish are disappearing from their natural habitats close to overfishing and people ruining reefs and temperature change in the oceans, destroying mm-hmm. coral and blah blah blah. The world is dying. So negative. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it's kind of a big deal with these reef sharks because their population decline has been as large as 90% in areas near uh, human-populated islands. Hmm. Which is kind of a lot. Do we have any idea why this happens? Um, no, but it has something to do with people. That's fairly clear from the data, the correlation in the data. Um could be the result of illegal fishing, like I mentioned before, mm-hmm. um, or uh, killing the reef fish that the sharks eat, the, like, indirect overfishing or right. climate change driving those fish to other waters and to the sharks. Lost in the food them. chain, right? Yeah. Yeah. That stuff. I don't know. But sad face. World dying. Uh, but while well, the world is dying... We are making good progress in the uh, particle physics realm of science. That's that's a good breakthrough. Uh, yeah. So the a group of scientists at the LHC has detected a baryon called Chi sub B, which is probably a Chi baryon. I would assume that's that makes why it's sense. Sub B. Yeah. Uh, oh. Oh, look at that. They found it at LHC. That is what I just said. No input over there? Okay. Mm, well, what? CERN? LHC? Oh, yeah, the company responsible for World War Three. Yeah. Um, okay. So what does this what? Um, new particle do? What does this confirm or do for us? Uh, well, a baryon is a particle like a neutron or a proton. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. And they're made up of quarks, right? like protons and neutrons, because that's what they are. Um, <laughs> that's, what I, that's why I didn't know that. And, uh, yeah. So, <clears throat> uh, baryons are sort of... Uh, so that they're a type of f- fermion, and that's, that's a an important distinction between a fermion and a boson because fermions obey the Pauli exclusion principle, which means that they can't occupy the same space, whereas uh, bosons can. Uh, anyways, 
I don't really know why this is important. It's just like another discovery in particle physics. That's good. So I, I see some hand movement over there, Matt. What's uh? I had just brought out a heart attack. An ad popped up at me. <laughs> oh, okay. Let's talk about some sheep. Some sheep, yes. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. You know what this article is brought to you by? This is brought to you by IB Times. And now, Not International Black Glory. No, but now the, their little TV thing is going to start playing on my podcast right now. Watch it. Yeah, see, uh, see, I just had it muted, but it was just like, a baby? What? I'm not cloning babies. I want to clone sheep. Okay, Sam. Okay, Matt, you talk about this one since you put it in there. Well, um, I read this article about a week ago, but uh, we didn't have a show last week, so I couldn't uh, submit something for you guys to talk about. Yeah. And um, I really hate my, my mouse today on my trackpad. Like, I'm having a hard time using it. I, got, um, I was repairing some of my... So, do you see, do you see that? It's completely absurd. Um, I got super glue all over my fingertips. I super glued a few of my fingers together by accident. Um, in the name of science, by the way. Okay, just making sure. By accident in the name of science. Yes. <laughs> by accident in, in the name of science. That's how most accidents occur. Yes. <laughs> so tell us about the sheep. Well, like, apparently it's been really hard for um, scientists to like find good ways to clone stuff. Like, it's hard to... Um, you know, find clonable tissue and stuff, but they now can um, find take good fat from worms <laughs> and call it good. <laughs> do you get that too? <laughs> well, I do actually read the gene was originally from the C. elgins. Or round worm, which has been shown in previous studies to increase unsaturated fatty acids, which is a very good health. Okay. <laughs> is a is very good health for human health. Whatever. What does this have to do with sheep? They put this... Uh, they, they took some fat from some sheep and they cloned it. They put this uh, gene in sheep and then they cloned it? Yes. Yeah, so it, it's, it's hard to clone things because they usually die. Yes. And... I guess one of the reasons might be a deficiency in this type of fatty acid, um, which is addressed by incorporating this gene from a roundworm, helps it not die. Interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm getting. Is that what you're? See, what I'm getting at is I sheep is just the first bit. It's just sort next of a... year. It's going to be something bigger than a sheep. It's going to be a kitten. Oh, because I was going to say cow, and it's like no, 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 no. no. See, I've already. You know, done... I think you mean it's a catten. I, I do think it is a catten. I, I have heard this word used today. I, I'm not quite familiar with the whole etymology behind it, besides I might have yelled something about you. Um, but either way. Okay. Um, okay. So anyways, no cloning. cloning. Scientists. So. Chinese. Where's that? What? I put a show. See, um, you throw stuff into my notes, I throw stuff into yours. Yeah, yeah so that kind of popped out of nowhere, so we weren't. I wasn't really prepared to talk about it. But, uh, yeah. Good find. Yeah, good. Worms. Very good. Um, so our last sort of news object is uh, about the space shuttle Discovery um, taking some laps around the tri-state area mm-hmm. um, before landing at the Smithsonian Annex to be the new sort of flagship space shuttle after the end of the program. It's kind of funny they, they just... They get a shuttle that that's beaten up and old and dirty and melted, and they give up their perfectly pristine model shuttle. Yeah, but this is like a real shuttle. So what Ryan is talking about is <laughs> the the space shuttle Enterprise, which is aptly named for a shuttle. Um, yeah, so it was already here and is now being moved to the another facility, um, another air and space museum facility warehouse type thing um that and so they're like it's getting pushed into a a different facility by this discovery taking its place and it's just kind of a a, it was well received people i i really like this part in the article um i'll just read it uh so i thought this was funny read it which one? Never read the part I just said. Let me read this part from the article that I liked. Okay, which part do you like? So, 
Uh, they write that the discovery took victory laps around the okay. White House, the Capitol, and the Washington Monument that elicited cheers and awe, the same sounds and emotions that used to accompany every thunderous launch. So I thought that was kind of a good uh, – they did a good job sort of capturing what this – like sort of the spirit of the mm-hmm. shuttle era and stuff. Well, I thought what's funny is the uh, retired senator or – senator, or what? That's not senator – Jen, General, John R. Jack Daly, the museum director, he he says that we pledge to take care of it forever uh, and show young visitors what America is capable of. And I just think that's funny. Is capable of, really? Because, you know, the shuttle's from, like, 30 years ago. Well, no, I mean, we could make more shuttles, but they're not very efficient. I, yeah. We've talked about this on a previous show, how shuttles aren't the greatest thing. Yeah, because... I know, but it's just funny that they're going to promote the use of this, like, oh, look. It's so successful, but you put it in a museum. I'm just saying. Yeah. Well, um, <clears throat> hopefully we'll forget about it soon enough because great things are coming. Yeah, for you know, you know, the great, great things are actually coming along here. You want to talk about that? Ever since I was a kid, you know, I really only wanted to do one thing: be an asteroid miner. <laughs> Says uh, Peter Diamandis, the starter of the X Prize Foundation and one of the backers behind the new planetary planetary resources company uh which is an asteroid mining billionaire backed space exploration company so when you google planetary resources you can get their full description and it's kind of funny it is planetary resources the asteroid mining company near you Without the near you part. Well, yeah. So this is this is kind of a big deal. So why is this a big deal? deal. Why is this a big deal? Well, so this is sort of the first real commercial attempt at space exploration, Um, on a massive scale. Right. So this is backed by a lot, a lot. Like this isn't a little thing where Richard Branson goes on a trip in a space plane. Richard Branson. It's a different story, but that is that sort of was like a prelude to this. That's I know. what helped this come. I out. know, but this isn't on a huge scale. This isn't just like right. one so, or two guys going right. up and then down. This is um this so this company is backed by Larry Page and Eric Schmidt. Oh, the uh, Google guys. The Google guys, as well as director eccentric director James Cameron. Uh and the poly- He just wants to burn some guy's tree. Avatar. Okay. Okay. And the the son of politician Ross Perot Perot. I'm not. I don't, I'm not familiar with Parrot. Um, <laughs> Ross Parrot, uh, who I guess was very rich. So, anyways, oh, okay. a lot of eccentric billionaires, as well as Peter Diamandis, who I uh, mentioned earlier. Um, so, a lot of billionaires, a lot of money, a lot of science geniuses, and it's going to be awesome. So, I want to work for them. Well, in their video, they did say that a bunch of high school students get to uh, work with them. Unfortunately, you're no longer in high school. Yeah. Well, maybe with that uh, computer science degree, you'll get in. Because what I hear is that they plan on having the robots in place in 10 years. Yeah. I mean, I don't have to have a degree to do a job. Anyways. (laughs) Um, Let me know if you say that in 10 years. Okay. So, uh, yeah, this, this is a pretty big deal. First true commercial attempt at space exploration and the first ever attempt really at the collection of resources from space. So I, I have some questions about that. Uh, what are they mining from these asteroids? Well, uh, there are a lot of minerals, metal, and otherwise in asteroids. Um, they, it's kind of weird in the in the video, the press release, a lot of uh, uh, news... People were focusing on uh, the fact that one of the guys at the press release, I don't know what I'm saying, um, (laughs) made a big deal about mining water from asteroids. Um, So I, the first place that I noticed this was on The Daily Show, where Jon Stewart made a big deal about um, the, the spokesperson saying that uh, water mined from asteroid asteroids would could be worth um, and this, so this is water in space is worth like twenty five to thirty thirty thousand. I think he said fifty thousand for a pound, mm-hmm. something like that. 
tens of thousands of dollars for a pound of water in space. Mm -hmm. And it's not, John Stewart said, for space water, but it's not that it's space water. It's that it's water and it's in space. Because it costs a ton of money to get something in space. And so I'm talking less loud. Oops. (laughs) Okay. Um, And uh, so, yeah. Uh, So if you watch The Daily Show, don't be fooled. He was making a joke. But it was a pretty funny joke. Yeah, no, it was. It was really funny. Um, so I've also heard that they plan on mining platinum. Yeah, there. I mean, there's asteroids contain because apparently they they have some reason to believe that there might be more platinum in a single asteroid somewhere in the solar system than has than has ever been mined on Earth in the past hundred years. Yeah, uh, which is pretty impressive if you think about it. Yeah, I mean, asteroids are essentially just lumps of metal. Right. Oftentimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that ranges from iron, which is probably the most common, to uh, silicon and... Uh, you know, other precious other, metals, right? Right. And then the precious metals, platinum and those things. Yeah. Um, yeah. So... So with the water... source of with the, wa- with the water and the metal they get, how much of that are they going to bring back to Earth? They probably won't bring back the water, but the metal. Um, well... I would assume that most of the metal, the, especially things like platinum, precious metals that can be used in uh, electronics and things like that, mm-hmm. um, superconductors, will be brought back to Earth. Um, I, I have not uh, read or heard a whole lot about it since this press release was just recently. Yeah, it was and on Thursday. I haven't, I haven't watched the whole press release. We did just watch a, a short clip of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to know how they plan on getting the metals from space back into the earth itself well like, the, the opposite way that they got to the asteroid well i know but what i'm saying is like are they just going to drop it through the atmosphere but what are they going to drop it in like a just kind of like just a little same way that they drop a but shuttle like just through that. just disposable capsules like no intention of returning well it, it'll probably be reusable capsules so they'll they'll fly up with maybe fuel in this capsule and once the fuel is out they'll put in some platinum okay and that's fly it back slightly reasonable and fire it back and then since so getting out is takes a lot of energy getting back doesn't take much yeah. yeah i mean you you have to give it a little bit of momentum to get yeah, towards the earth and then free. it can take well you have to accelerate it so it doesn't take you have to years. drive to the mall to get the free door press okay. and <laughs> and send it back in this capsule and then possibly reuse that as a fuel capsule again right absolutely to escape so in 10 years, do you think it's possible? I hope so. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. This is cool. Yeah. I hate not cool things, and so this is cool. <laughs> so do you think this meets the uh, the dream that uh, Tyson was talking about and is, uh, how much would you pay for the universe? Do you think this kind of dreaming is what we need? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a step, a big step in the very, in a very good direction. Good. Yeah. I'm, I'm very excited to see where this goes, especially with the, a lot of my favorite people involved. I love Google. And Google people are involved. <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny. I love... Oh. I wonder what interest Google would have in that. I, mean, I don't other, really think that Google is like, behind it's, it. It's, it's Eric... Them. Yeah, it's Eric Schmidt but, and Larry Page but, having a but, ton of money but and unlike, wanting to do something Schmidt, cool. Schmidt, I don't think, is necessarily speaking for Google. But if, if, if Larry Page is involved, I feel as if Google is in it more than if Schmidt was just in it. Because... Page is kind of googly. That's yeah, like, no, I'm not saying that he isn't, is. but he, they both have a lot of their own money. I know, but because of a Google. lot of their own, but but they ha- but it's theirs. They it doesn't have to be associated with Google anymore. Yeah, but Google gave it to them because they worked there. Well, they made Google. They made it by making Google. So if you just saw Zuckerberg on the street, it's not like saying hi to Facebook. No. Yes, it is. Nah. I, okay. Well, <laughs> different discussion, but. I would say that I don't think that Google. I can't. I couldn't really see why Google would be. Yeah, I don't know. Involved a lot in this would be. Maybe they just. Well, um, on the other hand, I could see them doing something that they've never really done before. I mean, they advertising could, in space. Well, no, no, no. I, like the self-driving car. Okay, I mean, right. That, that's a. That's not really what they do, but it's they're doing so, it. Yeah, something they are working on, so yeah. they could do that for you know so, space. Well, vehicle, or they could things. they could uh, get into uh, cataloging data on 
objects in our solar system. Well, if anybody would be equipped, Google would definitely would be doing that. Yeah, so so there's a there could I be. I do some know ways they that want to establish uh, a server farm on the moon. I do know that. Really, that is a known fact. They do want to do that. That would be, of course, like, the, the latency would be just astronomical or three seconds, depending on who you ask. Um, hmm. so, I mean, is that okay? Uh, it depends. If that's true, then... uh, apparently the the the, the time the light delay the lag is three seconds. Yeah, so I, I got to kind of backtrack for a second. Um, so when we're talking about sending stuff uh, like for the spacecrafting and stuff, I read about a year ago about this really interesting article about this guy who was thinking about who was proposing to blow set off a nuclear bomb underneath a steel platform that would launch stuff into space. Um, as a cheap way of doing that. But that was just a crazy story, and it was just dismissed as rubbish. Um, but I wanted to try to find that story. But I found an even cooler story. Um, apparently, in 1969, um, the United States lost a nuclear bomb somewhere in Greenland. How do you lose a nuclear bomb? I don't know, but this is coming from the BBC, and um, apparently they still haven't found it. And um, the most notable quote I found so far was, it would be very difficult for anyone else to recover um, this classified piece if we couldn't find it. So if they so because no they haven't found it yet, it's probably likely that nobody else will. You know, it's probably some farmers. So I'm going probably, to Greenland. Some some farmers probably just going to go trip on it or something. It's probably like got, in the ocean, or it's like in a field and then it rained buried. a lot and got buried. Yeah. Well, um, well, like I said, some farmer will probably trip on it. They they're not quite like landmines, <laughs> but yeah. Well, it won't explode. It'll just trip. <laughs> oh, okay. It'll trip and fall, and that's it. And then, then it'll hit it with, and then it'll explode. <laughs> yeah. yeah. um, kind of weird. That's kind of funny. Go go and find a nuke. Um, yeah. So the latency thing, oh. one point three seconds. Uh, but it's like two and back, like a request and then a return. Yeah. So, so I guess like three two seconds. Six. Three. Four hundred milliseconds is a lot. You know what? HTTP alone is four hundred milliseconds. Who cares? Three seconds. Okay, three seconds. <laughs> um, yeah, so for now, that could be a big deal or it could not be a big deal if you are storing things that might not need to be accessed quickly or, yeah. I mean, the whole planetary resources thing, that sets up for the space age, the real space age, not the joke space age we had for the last 45 years. Yeah, I, I really liked uh, the Daily Show... John Stewart people did uh, mention the alien movie yeah. where the space miners, that's like where they found the aliens. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's kind of funny. That'd be pretty sweet. Uh, aren't they doing some uh, new, uh, new movie or something? Prometheus or something? Prometheus, yeah. Which I'm excited. What does that do cool again? Cool sci-fi movie. That is the, I don't know if it's like a, a prequel to Aliens. I don't know either, but I do know the corporation that sent the people out there to mine is in Prometheus. That's okay. the Wayland Corporation. Yeah. They are in both movies, so okay. it's set in the same universe at right. least. And, well, so it's got to be a prequel because it was before okay, that any of the Alien movies. Um, and so this is a... Yeah. It looks like a great movie. They like go to a planet. Some archaeologists like find a symbol pointing to a planet, and so they go there and like find this alien ruins type thing, and stuff goes down. I don't want to like, spoil it. Cause stuff I've seen it. goes down. <laughs> yeah. In other words, something explodes, someone dies, and somebody's happy. Or maybe they all die. I didn't say that. I said maybe. Good. I said it. Like I said, somebody's happy. I know. What? (laughs) Okay. So what else do you know, Sam? Absolutely nothing. How was Magic Magic the Gathering from last week? Oh, funny. So... (laughs) I have to ask, I mean... Well, yeah, it kind of sucks because I'm still frustrated that I slept through the tournament because I was up all night waiting for the skies to clear to watch the frickin' meteor shower. And of course, nope, cloudy, rainy. Same as this weekend. Tomorrow, well, today, is uh, the National Astronomy Day. And Mm -hmm. there's supposed to be, like, some events in Minnesota for the Minnesota Astronomy Association, and... It's going to be cloudy or rainy, and it's bad weather on Yuri's night, bad weather for the meteor shower, bad weather for Astronomy's Day. It's, and it's in, just bad weather all in around. two weeks, or no, not even two weeks. There's another meteor shower on the 4th slash 5th. Yeah. 
Um, and um, we're going to go see that. But they also say that the moon's going to be in its full phase, and it's going to be kind of hard to see the meteors. Yeah. But um, we got to go at least try to see it. Yeah. Well, you I mean, know, like, that's we lose the moon here like every other day. So. But we're not going to be around here. This place is haunted. Is it, yeah, it'd be kind of cool to get out of the city where there's mm-hmm. a lot of light pollution. But, I mean, that's why the Lyrid meteors are always going to be so cool is right. because no there's moon. a new moon, so mm-hmm. there's no excess light. So if you get out of, like, a light pollution area, it was supposed to be excellent viewing Incidentally, if the sky was clear. Incidentally, the entire state of Minnesota is just lit up. And yeah. otherwise, in contrast to that, North Dakota and South Dakota are just dark. Yeah, there is nothing there. I mean, there are parts of Minnesota that aren't it's too bad. Yeah. Um, that's not nearby. Three quarters of the way between Duluth and Grand Marais. It's a really good spot. Well, great. So in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, it's only like five hours, four and a half. Um, two hours south is um, Medelia, and that's where I saw some really good stars. Um, all it is is it's corn down there. Yeah, they don't, I hear corn doesn't make a lot of light. I heard that gives off about two lumens per ounce. Two lumens per ounce. You got it. No, no. Actually, I think it was more like four grains per ounce. I I think it's four kernels per lumen. Four kernels per lumen. I think that was it, yeah. Yeah, I think that's your conversion ratio. Mm -hmm. You disagree? Still going with lumens per hertz. I like kernels per lumen. Okay, kernels per lumen. Lumens per kernel. Lumens per kernel, okay. Uh, Yeah, so I think that's our show for tonight. And, of course, this is the universe. We talk about science, space exploration, planetary mining, and other fun things. Where can we find you, Sam? Uh, You can find me on the Twitter at Sam Ebert, on the blog Osphere. I've never said that before. Um, (laughs) You made it sound really good. Go ahead. WordPress. I've been meaning to start blogging. If If I actually go back and fix my AI, I'll probably do a blog post about that. That'll be great. Um... Also at Sam Eberts at, like, wordpress.com slash Sam Eberts or something. I don't know. Good uh, Yeah, so those places. And where can we also, find you, Matt? Here. Yeah, um, you can find me at MatthewPetchel.com. You can also find me at my Twitter, my Facebook, and um, all things to do with the Nexus. And, of course, you can find me, Ryan Rampersett, everywhere that you can even possibly manage, and especially in space next to your local asteroid. And, of course, Ryan Mount R on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, whatever it's called. You can also find the Nexus TV at Twitter, so twitter.com. Follow the network. Yes, follow the network. We, we have made this. It's ready for you to go now. It, it, every time we post a new episode, you'll be alerted. It is really nice. We'll even send you updates. We'll probably so, post some funny things on there once in a while as well. Definitely. So it's twitter.com slash the Nexus TV no dashes, no anything special. Yeah. Thanks and, for having me on the show. And of course, you can also send us feedback directly now with our new feedback form on the website, thenexus.tv, or the-nexus.tv slash feedback. So we encourage your feedback. Sam loves answering questions. He wants you to send him so much email. Yes, I do. Yeah. Of course. I love writing long letters about anything. And he enjoys strolls on the beach. I was going to say that. (laughs) Too slow. (laughs) Okay. Good show? Very good. Okay. Have a good one. My childhood, I've wanted to do one thing, be an asteroid miner.